The biggest names in tennis are coming to Paris for the most anticipated French Open in years, and Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your smart TV or your phone live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled tournament access as the world's top players in tennis face off against each other. Will the veteran champions continue their dominance or will a fresh face emerge to continue their legacy on the clay courts? From the first serve to the final point, the French Open promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Daily live coverage of this epic showdown begins Monday, May 20th. Don't miss a matchup. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it all happens. Welcome back into another episode of Believe in the ATP Tour. I'm your host, as always, Jacob Sersosimo. And today you're listening on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. And boy, do we have a lot to talk about today. Now, last week, I touched on the Novak Djokovic situation just briefly. Um, I just touched on a little bit. Little did I know in a an entire hurricane was going to come the day after I dropped last week's podcast. I dropped that podcast. I tweeted it out, said, hey, I touched on this topic. This is what the topic is, blah, blah, blah. And an absolute tsunami happened in Australia, figuratively speaking, after I dropped that last podcast. Novak Djokovic got a medical exemption. We thought that was it. Next thing you know, he's in a holding cell. Next thing you know, he's going to be deported. Next thing you know, he's in quarantine in a hotel. Next thing you know, he is... Uh, with his lawyers, and they're going to fight it, and the Serbian government's behind them, and blah, 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 blah. We're going to get into it all right here on this episode of Believe in the ATP Tour. Now, I'm going to get into it a little bit. I'm going to scratch the surface on a lot of different topics, throw my opinion in on a couple things, um, but there is so much information about what has happened um, during this entire process, and I don't have all the facts. Okay, I don't have all of the facts when it comes to all the little small things. Everything that was said in court, I have no idea. When it comes to everything else that was, you know, done in the holding cell in this airport. That's a lot. All right. If I were to really get into this, that would need to be a full-time job 40 hours of the last week, putting everything and all of my resources into figuring out what is going on down under. Now, I do know some nuts and bolts, and I'm going to use a lot of sources, especially off Twitter, when it comes to um, what is kind of happening and what has been happening in this tournament or when it comes to this medical exemption. So let's just get straight to it. What happened originally is two third-party sources for the Australian Open cleared Novak Djokovic for a medical exemption to enter the Australian Open without having to get the COVID-19 vaccine. Now, the COVID-19 vaccine, as far as I realize, is mandated in Australia or especially in Victoria or Melbourne or wherever the Australian Open is, right? So that is mandatory to get into the country. Well, Novak Djokovic is trying to play in the Australian Open and get into the country without having to get the COVID-19 vaccine. So he gets a medical exemption from the tournament itself. Now, with the medical exemption, I thought that was it. I thought it was over at that point. I thought, well, he's just going to get into Australian Open now. It's a done deal. 
Little did I know that he still had a battle to fight with the Australian government as a whole when it came to entering the country. This was much bigger than the sport of tennis. This was a massive undertaking for Novak Djokovic to really battle the Australian government, it seemed like. So what happened, um, the nuts and bolts of it, he entered Australia, and when he got to the airport, he was put in a holding cell, not really a holding cell, but in a whole different room away from his family, and he was taken into this and pretty much questioned about his medical exemption should he be able to enter the country without having the COVID-19 vaccine. So as far as I know, what I saw reports on it, he was in that holding cell for like, I, I keep calling it a holding cell. It was probably just a room in the airport. He was in that holding area for six plus hours. Yeah, a long time. Novak Djokovic was in this separate place for a long time, separated from his family, it seemed like, separated from everything, and they had to decide whether, you know, whether he they were going to let him into the country or have to deport him, which seemed like a such a long time. I don't know if they were calling different people or if that was the complexity of the situation, but he was in that room, it seemed like, forever. I was getting updates on Twitter. It seemed like it took forever, almost my entire shift at work. That's how long it seemed like he was in this holding room. Long story short, they said, hey, your medical exemption is not good. You cannot enter the country. You are going to be deported. Well, here comes the politics. The prime minister of Australia goes on Twitter, says, hey, boom, it wasn't good enough. He's going to have to be deported, and I back this situa- I back this decision by the Australian government that his exemption wasn't good enough. All right, well, then the Serbian prime minister, the Serbian president, go, we will back Novak Djokovic. We have his back this whole time. Meanwhile, Novak's father is leaking things to the press, it seems like, saying all these things to the to the press around the area, the media that are there, there at the airport or elsewhere, saying we are going to take to the streets and we are going to protest this, we're going to protest this, we're going to protest this. So they do take to the streets, which in my eyes means that Novak's family is vaccinated, but Novak's not. So That was my assumption that his father could take to the streets in Australia, where I believe he was, but they couldn't take to the or because they were vaccinated, obviously, to get in the country, you need a vaccine. So, or they had a good medical exemption that didn't need six hours in a holding room. Who knows? That's beside the point. So what happened is Novak's lawyer goes, I am going to, we're going to fight this, whatever. And just on uh, Monday in Australia, in Australian time, Novak and his lawyer fought this decision, and they ultimately won. Now, Novak Djokovic will be playing in the Australian Open. Now, a lot can still change. Um, I think one of the biggest one of the biggest things to come out of this, um, which would kind of be a shame, honestly, on the back end of it, is if Novak, Novak gets COVID in the next week or two or whatever leading up to the Australian Open. That means all this work would pretty much be for nothing because then he couldn't play in the Australian Open, I believe. So... That would be, honestly, a tough break, and it seems like a lot of resources and stuff kind of for none if he still can't play in the Australian Open. Now, let's get into it a little bit deeper. That's the timeline of kind of how everything happened, and Novak took to social media afterwards saying thanks to all my supporters. Now, he was taking a lot of shots um, during this, but even, you know, there's some people that backed him during this. John Isner backed him on this. Um, Nick Kyrgios backed him on this a little bit. Um, you can see their responses on Instagram and Twitter, mostly Twitter, but you can see all that stuff on social media. Um, Rafael Nadal said a few times, you know, he has, I don't think he has any bad feelings towards Novak Djokovic. They are good friends. They're top of the world, top of the mountain when it comes to tennis, but this, he just, 
backs the vaccine, and that's what Rafael Nadal does. He's, he backs the va- vaccine. I just watched a couple videos of uh, you look at like Alex A. Manure and some of Team Britain when it comes to uh, uh, Brody and Jamie Murray. Liam Brody and Jamie Murray pretty much saying, like, I hope this is legitimate. I hope his exemption's legitimate from the grounds that I've seen it. Um, and this is coming from Twitter, and this was back on January 4th. So this is almost six days ago. Um, but according to the Australian Open, and Ben Rothenberg tweeted this. I talk about him sometimes on this podcast. But he said something along the lines of the exemption of Novak in writing to the Australian Open was an acute major medical condition. Um, some people have questioned this because, you know, you're the number one player in the world and now we're just finding out that you have a medical condition. That's a valid concern when it comes to this situation. Um, I think when, when you look at it, there was another report that came out that pretty much said, uh, his, his exemption was because he has had COVID in the last, uh, you know, month he tested positive. They say, on December 16th. Now, this is coming from the BBC saying uh, Novak Djokovic had a COVID infection um, on the 16th of December. Now, is that the reason uh, that that's what that's what the BBC said? The lawyers of Novak Djokovic said that he tested positive very recently, less than a month ago on December 16th. Well, I'm going to once again credit Ben Rothenberg for this, but he did some digging. And on December 16th, um, he was given his own postage stamp in, uh, I believe, Serbia. And he was shaking hands. You know, he was giving speeches, didn't have a mask on that day. So uh, that was a busy day for Djokovic. Uh, He got a postage stamp of himself. Um, And so, but another thing that's going to raise some eyebrows on this is that was on December 16th. Well, according to Tennis Australia documents, this is also Ben Rothenberg on Twitter, um, the deadline for applying for an exemption had been nearly a week earlier. It said no later than December 10th. So is there is there, you know, a a certain special treatment going on here? That is unknown at this point. Um on the same thread, December 17th, the day after uh Djokovic uh reportedly had the you know COVID test and tested positive. Uh, he was at a award ceremony at the Novak Tennis Center. So this whole thing, if if this part's true, is bizarre. The whole thing is really bizarre. And I think there's been some people on Twitter, some va- some very credible people on Twitter that have said this a few times. But all of this could have been avoided if Novak Djokovic would have just gotten the um, would have gotten the vaccine. And I think it's caused a lot of heartache for a lot of people. A lot of people, he's made this divisive. I believe Patrick McEnroe said on ESPN the other day or on Good, I think it might have been the Today Show or Good Morning America. I think it was Good Morning America. Said something along the lines of um, he's now like a political pawn when it comes to Australia because if they don't let him in, you know, the Australian government's going to kind of use him as this is an example. Who knows? But the whole thing is just bizarre. And to be honest with you, I think the most frustrating part um, is there's just kind of another, not negative, but not positive light on tennis coming out of this when it comes to the world. Um, the whole, how, how the Grand Slams handled the Naomi Osaka situation, that wasn't the most positive light on the on the sport of tennis. And I just think tennis doesn't get enough press and doesn't get enough media the way it is when it comes to more of the national and international media and the big headlines. And unfortunately, this you know, this, this shines another negative sort of negative light on the sport of tennis. And so, um, 
I mean, to be honest, I'm kind of happy it's over with, but it's not over with. It's not going to be over with until he leaves Australia, to be honest with you, whether that be at the end of the U.S. or the end of the Australian Open or at the end of what's going on here. Now, I just went down that rundown of December 16th. Well, this is according to uh, Adam Atticott on Twitter, who seems to be, uh, he's the editor for UBI Tennis. So, uh, freelance writer for the Sportsman, the Tennis Atlantic at one point. Seems like a journalist of all sorts of tennis. He tweeted and said, uh, wow, when Djokovic's family is questioned about Novak's activities on December 17th, a day after he tested positive, they ended the press conference immediately. Now, I've seen this a few times about um, Novak's parents leaving this press conference recently when they were asked about his... Um, when they were asked about him testing positive, and the whole thing's just bizarre. Novak's dad's been very loud about it. His family's been very loud about it, it seems, when it comes from um, especially Novak's father. And it's it's honestly a lot of headache and a lot of heartaches happening, according to this entire thing. Like I've said before, this could have all been avoided if he just got the vaccine. Of course, it was his choice not to get the vaccine, and um, ultimately his choice to kind of have this whole process happen to him, to be honest. I don't really feel bad for him when it comes to the entire process that's had to happen in Australia. It seems strenuous, six hours in a holding room. He's had to go to court, all of that stuff, just to play in the Australian Open. On the other end, do I believe, like, I don't know what they were doing in this room for six hours. That doesn't make, six plus hours or whatever it was. That doesn't make much sense to me. A lot doesn't really make much sense to me. Um, but this is legit. I've been talking about this for a while now in this podcast. This is just scratching the surface of like all the stuff that has happened while Novak Djokovic has been in Australia. Um, I don't really want to touch on it anymore because I just would rather put energy towards other things that are happening in the world. And that is what happened with Novak Djokovic in Australia. Long story short, as of January 10th, on Monday, January 10th, when I'm recording and going to drop this podcast, he is playing in the Australian Open. He's back on the courts and he's practicing in Australia. This legit could change when the sun rises in Australia on Tuesday morning. So, we'll we'll keep you updated. You can follow everything on Twitter. Like I said, I'm probably not the most you know, your number one source for everything that's happening in this. I just wanted to give you a recap on what exactly what was going on um, in this situation. But there is a plethora of information, especially on Twitter, but on news outlets around the world that have a much deeper dive into everything that's happening surrounding Novak Djokovic, the Australian government, and the Australian Open. Let's move on. Elsewhere in Australia, the ATP Cup was going on over the last week or so, and Canada brought home the title of the ATP Cup. I can't even tease to that because that's just what happened. United States beat Canada early. United States did make it to the Final Four. I'm not happy about it, but let's get into the Final Four. Spain's in the Final Four. Poland's in the Final Four. Canada's in the Final Four, and Russia is in the Final Four. Now, let me give you a little backdrop. Russia's in it despite not having Andrei Rublev. Spain's in it despite not having Rafael Nadal. Very impressive being in the Final Four, not having those guys. But Canada, Tennis Canada... Too good. Too good. They have Denis Shapovalov and they have Felix Auger-Aliassime. Now, these two youngsters are pretty much leading the charge in Canadian tennis. And it's no secret that these two are doing something in Canada that probably isn't going to be done. Probably hasn't been done before and not, might not happen again. Is just have two all-stars back-to-back 
right next to each other, best friends, and they're putting Canada on the map when it comes to tennis. They win 2-0 against Spain in the final. They win 2-1 against Russia in the semifinal. Tennis Canada, they win the ATP Cup. Um, I I enjoy it. I like it better than, you know, European countries winning it because, you know, a little North America... Let's keep it in the family here. And they're two youngsters that are really good. I, I don't like I don't hate Team Russia. I actually like Team Russia. And I, I don't hate any of these teams. But um it's good to see some young success happening when it comes to these kinds of tournaments, uh, for sure. Let's go to some other tournaments that were going on. Adelaide International won. That tournament was going on over the last week or so, and the winner is none other than then Gael Monfils, I believe it's his first ATP title on on Australian soil. He beats uh, Karen Hachinov in the final. Now, Monfils was the one seed. Really good to see him live up to expectations when it comes to this tournament. Too many times, I think, some of these players that aren't number one in the world or aren't top ten in the world or whatever, be a number one seed in a smaller 250 tournament like this and kind of just fall or don't play well I hope he has a really good Australian Open he had a really good tournament obviously in this tournament leading up to the Australian Open and I'm really looking forward to seeing him play moving on into the Australian Open here in a little bit now let's go to the Melbourne draw in the Melbourne tournament last week I talked about this a little bit I don't think anybody shocked Rafael Nadal won this he beat Maxime Cressy in straight sets. Now, I want to talk about Cressy more than I want to talk about anything else. Cressy was a qualifier into this tournament, beats the two-seed Riley Opelka, 6-3-6-0, then goes on to beat Grigor Dimitrov uh, in two sets, and then plays uh, Rafael Nadal in the final. Cressy, qualifier to the final of a 250 in Melbourne, um, and he's already on the grounds of the Australian Open. He gets some money, he gets some points, and he gets a little thrill and a little confidence going into the Australian Open. I like Cressy. He's an American. I think he plays good tennis. He's fun to watch. Uh, I will always cheer for Americans. I hope you know some of these younger Americans keep flying into this round um, or into this tournament and start you know, really getting their rank up there. But awesome to see Maxime Cressy have a great tournament, especially in Melbourne. Now let's move on a little bit to some tournaments that are coming up. In Australia. Now, the next tournament in Australia is going to be the Sydney Tennis Classic. That is going on, I believe, as we speak right now. And it looks like the draw on this one, the one seed is Aslan Karatsev, obviously a little smaller of a tournament. Uh, Sanago's in this tournament, Daniel Evans, um, Riley Opelka's in this tournament. He's the four seed. Uh, Bachelas Ville is the two seed. Wow, very impressive. Uh, Andy Murray's in this tournament. Obviously, Dennis Kudla's in this tournament. Some good names in this tournament as well. And there's a one more tournament before the Australian Open starts. And let's go to Adelaide International 2, which is the second Adelaide tournament. The first one was won by who, a quiz question. Who did I just say? Guy Almond Feast. I can't hear you even if you said the even if you said who it was. And guess who's in this tournament, Guy Monfils is the one seed. He wants to play both these tournaments. Karen Hachinov, three seed in this tournament. Uh, let's go down to the two seed. John Isner is in this tournament. Uh, uh, Thanis, Thanis, I don't know if you say Thanis or Thanis, uh, but Kakanakis out of Australia. He's a wild card in this tournament. He is also in the Australian Open this year, I believe. So 
a lot of good tennis going on. Sorry, I'm kind of speaking fast, but I'm trying to get all this through because I feel like you've heard my voice already enough in this podcast because I kind of went on a rant about Novak Djokovic, but we are going to get through everything we need to this week. Um, just a couple bit more things. Those are just the tournaments going on right before the Aussie Open kicks off. The Aussie Open starts on the 17th. I believe I said the 30th last week. I'm sorry. That's when it ends. It starts on the 17th of January. So really not too far away. A um, couple things. Jensen Brooksby, the American that's made a lot of strides. He will not be playing in the Australian Open this year. He tested positive. Him and his coach did right before flying into Australia. Kind of a bummer for him because I think a lot of people enjoy watching him. And uh, let's go stat of the day last week. Uh, the American number one, Taylor Fritz, has won seven of his last nine matches against top 20 players. Let that sink in. He's the number one American. Hopefully, we can have another number one American sitting at the top for a while, like we have with John McEnroe, like we have with Pete Sampras, like we have with other you know players before that. Andy Roddick was there for a while. Marty Fish. Let it be known. Hopefully, Taylor Fritz is that guy, and we're hoping, we're really hoping he is. So much to talk about this week. Um, I'm sorry if I rambled, but I just want to get through everything. That's everything that's going on with the Novak Djokovic situation. That's everything before the Australian Open. Seven days from January 10th is the start of the Australian Open. I will drop a pod just before the Australian Open, giving you a little preview of everything that's going on. I appreciate your support. I appreciate you listening. And until next time, well, hopefully a lot doesn't happen in Australia, but who knows? Next podcast could be even longer if more stuff starts happening. But right now, Australian Open set to go Monday, January 17th. Have a great week, everyone. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.